0: What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Matt Vance. He's a reputation and employee experience guru who has worked with companies all over the country and authored the incredibly insightful "The Review Cycle." Uh, super cool book. You could check it out on Amazon, or he's going to give us a link where we could find the book from him. Awesome book. Had the opportunity to read it. Really awesome to chat about it and some of the gems inside. Matt, thanks for joining us on Give and Ovation, man.
1: Yeah, thanks. I, I'm excited to be here. and I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So first of all, tell me a little more around the review cycle, the book, why you wrote it and what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So I started writing the book in 2017. It was kind of a personal career growth project because uh, I had I'd been stuck on some projects at work with how to collect more reviews? How to optimize product listings on Amazon, Overstock, Wayfair? Like that's kind of where I started was the ecom CPG world. And uh, my wife, it was her idea to write the book. She said, "You like teaching people, you like researching. Why don't you just turn it into a book?" And five years later, uh, through a lot more work than I anticipated, <laughs> we were able to get it published. And uh, yeah, it, it was honestly. The process of writing created a lot of discoveries that I really didn't anticipate. So it it was a pretty cool experience.
0: That is awesome. You know, I, I also wrote a book as we were talking about uh, before we hit record here, and it's so true. The second that you think that you're halfway done, <laughs> you you start to go into that next process. You're like, all right, I'm on the downhill slope now, yep. and you realize that you're just getting started, yeah. and then. I I found there was like four times in the process of writing a book where I thought I was halfway done. And I realized I was like in the <laughs> just getting started phase. <laughs> and I kept on thinking, I was like, man, it's gotta be done at some point. And then finally, when I'm in the bookstore doing a signing, I'm like, okay, now <laughs> the book is out.
1: <laughs> yep. That's a good feeling for sure.
0: Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about, so in, in your book, you talk about, uh, you know, most of it, obviously, is around what happens after the experience. And I think in marketing, we often hear about the four P's, product, pl- product price, place, promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's a fifth P that you talk about a lot in your book, which often gets overlooked because marketing says, hey, we've done our job. Now you operations, do yours. But really that fifth P, which is Mm post-service, that is such a core component. And so talk to me about that. Talk to me about why do people forget about it and and how do reviews play into that post-service?
1: Yeah. I, I really think it's crazy to think that any product, any service, any experience can be designed once and then it's done. You know, like it's, yeah. it's an iterative process with anything, even if it's making food at a restaurant, you know, like a different men, menu items can evolve over time based on what people like and don't like, whether it's serving size presentation or the garnishes, like you name it. And so, yeah, like that component of listening to the consumer after you first launched that V1, that's what drives you to the V2 and the V3 and the V4 or your competitors going to get to that level before you do, and and you'll be obsolete.
0: So how do you how do you recommend actually getting feedback from guests and, and uh, getting reviews? Well,
1: that's the world we live in, right? Both of us. It's it's a critical piece. Um, from my perspective, it's it's a numbers game. Like you need to ask everyone. In, in chapter three of my book, which is dedicated to asking for reviews, all the strategies around maximizing your review rate. I talk about something called the law of self-selecting extremes. When you don't ask for feedback, all you get is the extreme positive and negatives. Those people yes. that have an experience so polarizing, they're willing to go out of their way to share. But as you make it easy for consumers and customers to share, you lower the barrier to participate. More people will share their feedback and then you get a more true repre- representative sample. That often is, is there's like the silent positive major- majority. And we've talked about this last time um, when we were chatting. And But that unlocks a lot of volume of feedback. And that can help you understand better what people are saying. But you don't even need to get 100%. Like, that's not really what it's about. If you can get a critical mass, you have enough data there to make smart decisions on, on how to act
0: and that extremes that goes to people who are doing receipt surveys as well right? like these long surveys where you're either going to get the people who had the extreme or the people that have 20 minutes to get a dollar off their next <laughs> taco right and like both both of those groups aren't representative of the majority of your customers yeah and so the by making it so difficult you're squeezing out everyone in the middle and it looks like your restaurant either sucks or is transformatively incredible and yeah. i hate to break it to you but it's not the one and let me be the one to help you out it's not the other right the yeah. majority of your customers fall somewhere in between that spectrum but to your point we make it so difficult mm-hmm. to get that feedback that you know that's where uh, that's why we only get those extremes right
1: Yeah, 100%. And just a small thing I'd add to that, Zach, is if we can understand the consumer behaviors, kind of the psychology of why people share feedback, and we can appeal to those reasons, we can also get a little bit more, like more people to share, like, from the research I've conducted, the number one reason why people are willing to share reviews, posts, things like that online, is because they want to give back to the community. They felt like they've been a recipient oh, They've benefited from reading reviews. It's, it's helped them make decisions. And so they want to pay it forward. The second one is, is to share your own opinion. Now there's in the book, I talk about several others, but those two make up the large
0: majority. Interesting. Yeah. So people who they're like, Hey, I, I was benefited by reading reviews because every single person will go and look at reviews before they go into a restaurant. Right. <laughs> And so let me give back and share my experience as well because here is something I don't feel that the reviews captured that I experienced, right? Now, let's talk about negative reviews because I think positive reviews are great. Good pat on the back. I'm all excited. It makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these negative reviews literally will ruin a day. And data shows that one negative review will lose you 30 customers. I mean, they are huge. They crush you. And if you get emotional, when you get a negative review, you should, that is money out of your kid's college fund right there. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do we respond to negative reviews? There was a really interesting comment that you made in the book that not responding to them is you described it as a, uh, can be seen as a passive agreement, Mm -hmm. right? If you're not responding to it, then it's like, oh, well, maybe they just don't disagree and that, yeah, you know, a lot of times their burgers are dry. So if, because if the restaurant really cared and they yeah. wanted to defend themselves and they'd get in there and say, no, our burgers are dry, but by not saying anything, it looks like you're passively agreeing. So talk to us about why we, why we should respond and how do we respond to those negative reviews? Because again, I just went, I just went from Stanford to community college for my kids because of all these negative reviews. I just got my restaurant and I'm pissed off, Matt. So what do I do? <laughs> Well, it, I like to say that you think of this as a game of
1: chess. You need to like turn off that emotional response a little bit. Like it's okay to have the you know conversation with your team member or, or your business partner or whatever. Like, ah, my college fund has been disrupted because of this negative review. But then put on your strategic thinking cap and you need to think about how you can showcase a high level of customer care in this response. Now, if someone has claimed something that's negative or even false, like they're straight up lying, then you need to address that in kind of like a moderator tone with journalistic approach where we're not, you're not pointing fingers, but you're essentially recording the facts of what's happened. Like I, I had an example of someone I interviewed, and I talk about this in the book as well. I was interviewing someone for a job, a position on my team at a previous company. They had exact experience responding to reviews. They managed reviews for a dentist office. And they had someone leave a horrible negative review saying that the dentist was so mad they threw something across the room. They were just ticked. And so I asked this person, I said, well, how did you respond? Oh, you know, we're, we're so sorry. Like, we're going to take care of you. We're going to give you free teeth whitenings. We're going to make this right. Well, then I asked the, the person I was interviewing, so did the dentist throw something across the room? And they said, well, no, of course not okay, well, I I might think that based on the response, like really the response should have said something like this, like after confirming with several people that were present at the time of your appointment, we can confirm that nothing was thrown across the room. However, we can see that you're still upset that it wasn't the experience that you wanted and we'd like to make it right. Contact us here and we'd love to open up a conversation. Something like that where you're not you. You're using passive voice whenever there's something wrong to separate yourself from the problem and the customer from the problem. Like, yeah. some, nothing was thrown across the room. But when something's good, you want to tie yourself to that positive thing. You want to use passive voice. Use the name of your company, the name of your restaurant, the name of your brand to attach yourself to the solution and as much as possible.
0: I like that because instead of instead of saying and and the whole passive voice concept is that instead of saying you're wrong that didn't happen you're saying we reviewed it nothing was thrown but then you're acknowledging the fact of but regardless right the point isn't is something thrown or not even though it kind of is and now we're saying it's you know you're wrong but the point is you're upset and we want to make it right so me as someone reading that review and response i say to myself oh well who knows? Maybe it was thrown. Maybe it wasn't thrown. Apparently they reviewed you know, footage and it wasn't thrown, but at least they care about this patient and, exactly. and, and, and that's what you want to see, right? Because yep. one thing that I try to remind people all the time is that, yes, you're responding to an individual, but that individual is going to read it once. Guess who's mm-hmm. going to read that hundreds and hundreds of times? Everyone who comes thereafter exactly so make it right for that customer but realize you're not making it right just for that customer right mm-hmm. you're and and when you get in there and you show that you can acknowledge a mistake that you want to get better it shows hey we're all human when you get in there and you're acting like a jerk on your online mm-hmm. reviews that is such a turn off people yep. if we're, if you're listening and you're responding with emotion you're not playing this chess game as Matt's talking about, and and you're out there and you're playing, you're playing, uh, Oh, what's that? What's that game? Uh, uh, risk, right? (laughs) If you're out there playing risk, that's an emotional game, right? Would you invest six hours of your life into that game and you get backstabbed by your high school buddy (laughs) and then you're 37 years old and still remember it. You know what I mean? Like just hypothetically saying, I'm not saying that happened to me, although it did. Yeah. Um, That could be anyone really. Anyone, anyone. Right. Uh, But you've got to play chess. And I think that's a great way to put it because otherwise you're losing. You're losing the game. Mm -hmm. And the game is money. So speaking of money, let's talk about this, Matt. Is there a correlation between online reviews and revenue? Is this something that's like, Hey, it's like a soft correlation, or you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I, I want to do it, but it's just like I can't, I can't justify it." I, I you know, I, we don't have the budget for it. What, what would you tell that person?
1: I would say, "Good luck," because you're you're going to pay for it. You know, everyone else that's investing in reviews, they're like, when I say investing in reviews, I'm not saying like buying reviews, like the whole black world of reviews. I'm saying like systematically. Having processes in place to get more feedback from your customers, having tools to better listen to all the feedback that's coming in, and then responding accordingly. That's investing in reviews. It's investing in the feedback that you're receiving from, from your clientele. And yes, there are two direct correlations that I've researched, and they're pretty obvious. It's the quantity of reviews and the star rating. Now, on the quantity the quantity of reviews, Bizarre Voice has done studies around this, and they found that going from zero to one review will increase your conversion by 10%. And then from there, it's the law of diminished returns where you increase, but it's at a lesser amount as your volume increases. So by the time you get to around 200 reviews, you're up 44%. Now, that's going to vary based on your product catalog or your product category, your comparisons, like who you're competing against. Like there's a lot of variance there, but just as a rule of thumb, yes, your conversions go up. The second one is as star ratings go up, sales go up, but only to a point. Um, once you get to about four and a half stars, if you get too close to five, sales actually drop. And that's because it's believed to be faked, manipulated, or too good to be true. Like no, nobody wants to or nobody buys from a listing that has 2,000 reviews and a perfect five-star, right? Because yeah, right. it doesn't feel right.
0: Like yeah. There's something, on, something fishy there.
1: Exactly. It's like, well, something's going on, especially if there's like all of those 2,000 reviews were posted in the same week and it was a year ago, right? And then your BIS radar is really going off. Like what, yep. what's going on here? Like, Consumers expect to see a natural distribution of positive and negative, and where that's optimized is four and a half stars, and that's why the image on my book is, you know, it's that four and a four half, half star stars. image for a reason. That's symbolic of where you're optimized.
0: Yeah, totally. And and we've seen that too. And 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 uh, a lot of the research that we've done, it's like people are like, hey, I want to be at a five zero. I'm like, nah. I mean. <laughs> Four seven. If you're at a four seven, you have an unreal restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Four five, phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You want to be at four three or above. And if you are below three nine, you might as well not exist, right? Like I agree with that, yeah. three nine and below, because especially if somebody goes online and types in "best burgers near me," and you have a burger shop and you're at three nine, and that guest is in your parking lot. Google will not show your listing when you type in the word best. Google filters out everyone below four stars, so you better have uh, over three stars. Shoot for four or five. If you got a four seven grade, if you got a four nine, maybe get a couple of three stars in there. Ask some of your ask some of your family members to give you three stars for something very understandable. So if you want to, if you want to fake your reviews, fake them down. <laughs> <laughs> and show show how humble and giving you are, uh, and understanding you are. So, uh, with all of this, Matt, what is one of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays?
1: I would say it's systematically listening to customers because I think a lot of people they're willing to listen, but when you have you know data overflow, you you've got hundreds thousands of reviews. How do you systematically go through that and identify? You know what's really there. Like I've read hundreds and thousands of reviews at a time. Like I've done surveys where I read 1700 comments and in that unique situation, it was worth reading them. And it took me three weeks, but oh gosh. most people don't have time for that or the patience. And I, it was, it was difficult. It's, you know, it's yeah. You have to take lots of breaks, but yeah. yeah. Having a tool to do that for you to systematically sift through everything. I think that's critical but I think another piece that I would what, would say, Zach, is understanding how to respond to the feedback you collect, because not all solutions are the same. And sometimes I see companies misapply solutions with good intent. And like a, an example would be, you know, let's say you get lots of reviews saying that your wait times are really, like, it takes a long time to get booked for a table. Everyone's complaining how slow the service is. but it's a norm to have a high volume of guests and you've you're a large restaurant, you got, you know, a hundred plus tables. Um, maybe the right solution is to manage expectations and it's yeah. not to try to hire more staff and speed up the, you know, the seating time. Uh, and if you can help communicate that in a positive way, then customers know what's actually attainable, what the, you know, operating limits are what you can handle and you're helping them be satisfied with that instead of trying to attain something that's actually not possible
0: i think it's a great point you see signs that'll say we make fresh to order this isn't a fast food joint it may take a few minutes to get your order please bear with us as because we care about the quality of our food like you know you see it's yeah. things around that nature because it's all around all right let's set the expectations so that way they don't come in or they don't You know, they're not expecting fast food and it takes, you know, 20 minutes to get it, right? Which isn't a long time if you're told it's going to be a minute, right? Exactly. So what are some successful tactics that you've seen in the review space lately? Some successful tactics. Um, One that is
1: one of my personal favorites is identifying your top positive experience drivers that your competitors don't have. And the way that you do that is like, let's say you're using a software tool, natural language processing to sift through all of your reviews. You identify the top five positive things that people are saying about your experience at at your restaurant or business. And you do the same thing for your competitors reviews. That's public data. And then you say, okay, here's our top five. Here's our competitors top five. And you know, our number three Like they don't even have that anywhere. So we should put that experience driver in all of our ads because we know that, you know, the other burger shop, the only other burger shop in town um, doesn't have, you know, fresh produce. I don't know. I'm just making something up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Then you can really hit on that one positive element of your experience with so much confidence. Like, you know, people love that about your experience. And you also know that your competitor doesn't have it.
0: I think that is a that's some great feedback. I mean, dive in, figure out what your competitors are doing, and mm-hmm. you know yeah. if you're if you're not paying for a tool to do that for you, go in and read the reviews. Right, take the yeah. time to go and understand what are they doing well and and uh, what do people like about them and what are their weaknesses and and read your own reviews. Don't come up with your assumptions first, Mm -hmm. right? Let the data tell you where to go because otherwise you're going to be so biased as you're reading it. And the thing that you think is most important to you when you read that one review out of a thousand, that's going to say it, you're going to say, see, I told you, here's what it is. But really there could be something that uh, 200 people are talking about that you're overlooking. So that's the power of using a tool is that it removes the bias. It removes the bias.
1: Right, yep, exactly.
0: Love that. So Matt, who's someone that deserves an ovation? Who's someone that we should be following uh in in the review space, do you think? So
1: I oh, in the review space? Well, I'll I'll tell you a restaurant because Please. Um one of my favorite restaurants here in Logan, Utah's Angies. It's on Main Street, it's been there since the 80s and um it's it's this it's got such a cool startup story from one of my he's, the founder's actually one of my friends. He's a refugee he came here went to utah state university he worked at this restaurant and then when they went out of business he bought he bought the building and then he named it after his daughter and then it's like the place where all the locals eat but the the crazy thing is i mean you go back to the 80s there wasn't even internet he's gone through the normalization of the internet the normalization of social media the normalization of you know local search and he's been able to adapt with his team to, you know, take on all of those new elements of being a restaurant, but not overlooking the personal touch of really making sure that people feel welcome and comfortable in the restaurant. Like this guy and and the team there at Angie's, they're giving back to the community on an ongoing basis and they definitely deserve an ovation.
0: Love that. I'm actually looking at their food right now. That looks delicious. All right. Now I got to, I know the only problem is Logan, Utah. For those who don't know, Logan, Utah is actually, I think what, like 15 minutes South of the Canadian border. Is that (laughs) Idaho border? A little bit lower. (laughs) Oh, is there something in between North Utah and and Canada? Huh? Idaho. I've heard of that state. Just a little bit right there. Anyway, it's it's funny because in Utah, it's like Salt Lake is its own world. Then there's a, you go down South, Lehigh Zone world. And then it's just like farm country outside of those. Oh yeah. And Park City, don't forget about that. So anyway, yeah. really cool. Check out Angie's. And Matt, how do we find and follow you and your brand? Yeah. So I'm actually at an interesting time. Um,
1: just in, in the next couple months, I'm going to be launching my own startup and we'll be helping employers with employee reviews. Um, so a- any company that needs help, optimizing their feedback on Glassdoor. Indeed, comparably, there's quite a few other sites like that's what we're going to be focusing on. But for the time being, you can find me at my personal website, mattrvance.com. You can get a free copy of my book, just cover shipping at thereviewcycle.com and follow me on LinkedIn, um, just linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Matt Awesome.
0: Well, for being the review doctor and giving us a five-star explanations on reviews, today's Ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Give an Ovation, Matt. Hey, thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an Ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.